If you're curious to engage with a lot of the topics we explore on the podcast in more creative and embodied ways, we welcome you to join us in Alchemize, our 10-week audio-based program of daily imagination practices intended to disrupt status quo ways of thinking, sensing, relating, and being. To be honest, without any grant support for our show right now, and we did just get turned down by several mainstream environmentalism philanthropies, this program and our Patreon are our primary means of supporting our labor for these free podcasts right now. We really want to remain untethered to corporate interests, and every small contribution to our Patreon or enrollment in our program Alchemize helps to ensure that we can continue producing these vital conversations that feature voices and perspectives often sidelined from mainstream media. So if you value our work and want to dive deeper with us, join us in Alchemize today at greendreamer.com slash alchemize and join our Patreon starting at just $3 at patreon.com slash greendreamer. Thank you so, so much for however you were able to support our work during these critical times. We are so deeply grateful. Green Dreamer is supported by our listener patrons at greendreamer.com slash support. And this month, our work is also supported by Conscious Step, a fair trade, got certified organic cotton socks brand that donates to a cause for every pair sold. What really stood out to me is not just the fun variety of nature inspired prints that their socks have, but also the variety of causes they support, many of which help to address social and environmental injustice from rainforest and ocean conservation, access to clean water, education, combating violence, and more. If you're an avid listener of this show, you know how important it's been for us to really find the connections between different social and environmental concerns. And I just really appreciate our alignment there. So next time you need new socks for yourself or for loved ones, Father's Day is coming up and they have some really fun and special gift sets as well. You can shop their socks at ConsciousStep.com and use our code GREENDREAMER for 20% off. Again, it's ConsciousStep.com and GREENDREAMER for 20% off. All of us in, on earth are indigenous to the earth. Now, whether we see the earth from an indigenous perspective, that's a different story. And whether we are native to a specific region, that's a different story too. So what I'm talking about indigenous is I'm talking about seeing the world from a place where we understand our purpose and our interrelationship the interrelationship of everything of which we are one of those everything parts. This is part two of our two-part conversation with Reginaldo Hasled Marroquin, the founder of the Regenerative Agriculture Alliance. If you haven't yet, make sure to tune into part one first in the episode right before this as we set the stage there for the rest of our discussion here. And I know I kind of left you hanging on some harsh realities of the issues that we're facing towards the end of that part one. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that going into solutions, what could be and what we can take action on is always really important to me. So we're going to continue with that today. We're going to go full circle to talk about what Reginaldo has been working on to support regenerative agriculture, what we can do to help re-indigenize our perspectives and our food system, and more. Green Dreamer, if you're ready, take a deep breath and let's dive in. Green Dreamer 
Hey, it's Kamea Shane, and this is Green Dreamer, a podcast exploring our paths to ecological balance, intersectional sustainability, and true abundance and wellness for all. If you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe, and together, let's learn what it takes to thrive in every sense of the word. So let's go into solutions. In looking at this current very vulnerable system that we have today, you bring in the idea of how we have a colonized mind and how we have to decolonize and re-indigenize agriculture. What exactly do those concepts mean to you and what perspective shifts or changes in how the land is treated and managed would come from decolonizing agriculture? The first thing in terms of decolonizing our mind as farmers we have to stop being producers and we have to start being stewards of energy. Mm. When you operate from that indigenous perspective, an indigenous, think of it this way, there is native peoples and there is indigenous way of looking at the world. A lot of native peoples no longer see the world as indig- from an indigenous perspective. All of us in, on earth are indigenous to the earth. Now, whether we see the earth from an indigenous perspective, that's a different story. And whether we are native to a specific region, that's a different story too. So what I'm talking about indigenous is I'm talking about seeing the world from a place where we understand our purpose and our interrelationship, the interrelationship of everything of which we are one of those everything parts. That's indigenous in my perspective. When we think that way, and when we go into farming with that perspective, then we will see ourselves as stores of energy rather than producers. If we see our, ourselves as stores of energy, then we're going we're gonna to realize that a farm really has everything it needs. It has the soil. If you treat the soil well, if you feed it, if you restore the biology, it increases exponentially its capacity to transform energy. Energy that doesn't have to be purchased, it's free, it's in the air, it's in the soil, it's around you. If you intervene to, to, to ignite, to reload your soil, you don't need more than animals to reignite the biology of the soil to restore the indigenous capacity of that space to transform energy, which is manifold more efficient then try to start manipulating that process of transformation. I wrote a formula for this many, many decades ago, which I use as a foundation of engineering. Now, when you see it that way, then you start decolonizing. First, by decolonizing your mind, you can see things from a more indigenous perspective in agriculture. The next thing you, you do then is you can start decolonizing the methodology by which you bring in and now integrate traditional engineering principles and knowledge of the periodic table and molecular structure of chemicals, natural chemicals, and all of that. You can bring all of that knowledge into a uh, decolonized process by, and by, as a result, decolonize the very methodology that we're using to manage that energy and transform it into edible energy. When we do it that way, you also move away, really, really far away from monocultures. The capacity of a space to transform energy is actually not 
is not linear. In indigenous engineering, you have to see the space from a truly four-dimensional perspective. That four dimension is really central to decolonizing the methodology and the science. That four-dimensional aspect defines not the level of knowledge, but the level of wisdom that you will be applying to the process. And those four dimensions are literally the economic aspect of, of your system, the ecological aspects, which integrates all of that energy management and all of that, the social aspects, which defines the way you interact with both the economic and the social, as a consumer, as a farmer, as a laborer, as a professional, as a, any of those uh, aspects where we socially have to interact. And the fourth and the most important one is the spiritual. That fourth dimension is what allows us to decolonize the overall view and to become indigenous in the way we think about this. And that indigenousness is the, the, the core of the decolonizing process. Once we can do that, then we can start managing energy. And when you start managing energy, the, the, the spiritual connection to your space, to the living creatures, to the organisms, it just strengthens over time. And you become then spiritually wealthy, which frees you up to see the potential, the true potential of what nature has designed over billions of years. That fundamentally gives you a blueprint for the not only the decolonization of one area, but also the way you see money, the way you see the actual outputs. Because at the end, we still measure outputs. We could still measure them per acre, but we are not going to measure now pounds of chicken produced in our poultry systems, for example, uh, dozens of eggs and all of that. We will use the pound as a measuring unit, but we will measure in that pound the energy that was transformed rather than just using that linearly. And so in that same space, that same one and a half acres, for example, where our poultry is raised, we are harvesting, we are capturing energy from the top of the trees because we put poultry back into its original environment, which is a jungle. You know, part of that whole process of decolonizing the engineering meant we we looked at the at the world where we were going to raise the poultry from the perspective of the poultry. And that if you ask a chicken, what does it want? You know, it will tell you it wants a multi-layer canopy that can protect it from sun. It can protect it from predators, predators that would penetrate that canopy in different ways. So you need multi-layers that will protect them from all of them. And when those predators get through, they want to have a quick escape and an ability to hide away and protect themselves. That's what the chicken will tell you if you look at it from an indigenous perspective. They'd also say, well, listen, I don't like, I don't like uh, grasses. I like forages, yes, but I mostly prefer bugs and high-protein you know, morsels out there. So then you will say, all right, what are the forages that, I, that are native to this space that would have a high-protein, low-fiber content? And then your, agronom your agronomics gets completely shifted into a whole different methodology for managing that space. Oh, in the night, well, I don't want to sleep out there. If I, if I can't climb up on the trees, sure, 
but we also want more output out of that space because we're also talking about economics. We want more density of animals. So we say, all right, well, we need a chicken coop so that they can be locked up at night, properly protected, and then as soon as the sunlight hits in the morning, they can be out roaming and using that space that is natural to their geoevolutionary blueprint. Mm. That's a decolonized methodology, engineering process, and all of that for you. At the end, what you have, you have canopies that are also productive. In our case, oaks, sugar maple, basswood. You know, the oaks can be used for firewood. The acorns can also be used for pork feed. The um, timber can be harvested out of out of them. The sugar maple can be can can be harvested. The sugar sap. The um, under all of that, we have an under canopy, understory, formed with hazelnuts and elderberries. Both of them highly economically valuable, uh, as well as ecologically valuable. And on the bottom of all of that, you get the poultry. So now our output is no longer linear. Our output is no longer a monoculture. We are going to get eggs, feathers, manure, timber, hazelnuts elderberries, biomass, and clean water, healthy soil, spiritual connection, meditation spaces, if you want to use them for that. The, the list is, is, is pretty long as to what we will measure in a space that was designed from that perspective and has a minimal, minimal amount of inputs. And where does the money from the farmer goes? Inputs for the most part. So the, now back to how we measured our level of poverty. We measured our level of economic poverty, not on how much we brought in, but how much of what we brought in went back out to someone else. So you just mentioned all of these different types of outputs that, of course, aren't currently accounted for in the current types of outputs that conventional agriculture really measures. But in a sense... You're really just listening to the needs of, for example, the chicken, the needs of the tree, and you're listening a lot more. And by doing so, you're also able to sort of restore that reciprocity and circularity within that system. So it's not just about really maximizing outputs in a more holistic way, but it's also just reintegrating all of these elements and having a lot more respect for every single living creature within this system yeah it's really about managing energy at the end of the day it's really the foundation that's why the the formula that i have used since ag school in guatemala is an energy formula and for that energy to flow in a way that is efficient and to be transformed in a way that is efficient you have to mimic nature there's no other way around that no way around that so this model and the systems that you've created have designed to be able to be easily replicated by people and also scaled. So that is the idea. The know-how is there for people to learn. What do you think we need to do now at this point in order to have regenerative and decolonized agriculture take over our current corporatized, inefficient, and exploitative system? We could gradually and incrementally build the infrastructure and the support systems necessary so that training is widely available for everybody, so that market markets are educated on what this means, so that political representatives start changing their overarching 
tilted support and subsidy of corporations and start supporting actual agriculture and infrastructure, or we could accelerate it and start investing heavily and see this transition happen in the next decade. Both would, I mean, I don't know which one is going to happen. I hope one of them happens. I would hope the accelerated version takes over now that we can see what it looks like when you make the whole world vulnerable by design. And I'm not saying that the virus is dangerous, but it is the crisis is not because of the virus. It's because of the way we live and the way our health systems are working or not working, or we are unprepared for things like that. And our supply, food supply chain is so vastly global that it's the most vulnerable, one of the most vulnerable um, pieces of infrastructure that we have built. Why? I mean, you can go without shoes, clothing even, even without heat sometimes, even in the middle of the winter, there are ways to, to stay above freezing in the northern climate. There's so many things we can do. We push him to shove and the crisis really hit us that far. But you can't go without food. Mm. And when, you know, all we needed at this point, and it may still happen, and I hope it doesn't, but what we, we the way the climate has been thrown out of whack if at this point one of those massive catastrophic storms were to hit a region that is also suffering from the current crisis, then we will see what a real crisis looks like because it will, it will disrupt the other pieces that are not biological, but which makes us very vulnerable. Transportation, logistics, supply chain, and food, unfortunately, is one of those. So I wish we were to take stock of that, to start understanding that this is imperative and that we would move heaven and earth to make sure that we build and scale a regenerative, regionalized and localized to the extent that is possible and the ecologists allow food and agriculture system that can make us less vulnerable, more resilient, healthier and more in other words, you know, more humans in general. And finally, before we go into our concluding five questions, what cost of action do you have for our listeners so that they can help to decolonize their own perspectives and help to re-indigenize our food system? There are things you can do immediately right where you are. If you, if you are in a city, you don't have any space to grow anything then ensure that you are asking your local stores and if they don't abide uh, and then they don't want to participate and engage in the regional farmers, go and find a farmer if you can. If you can't, go and do that because maybe you are, your job doesn't allow. Organize your community and maybe somebody can represent the community and go in and reach out to farmers in, the, in your region. If you have space, plant a garden. There is nothing more decolonizing than to watch something grow. Don't do it for the purpose of feeding your family. Don't, don't have to be that way. Do it for the purpose of seeing life and engaging more with life and changing our culture and our, interest and our lack and our intellectual poverty that defines the fact that a lot of people now think that food is grown. It comes from the store. Milk comes from the store. Those kinds of statements that are made many times sound funny. They are real. Now, next to that is the individuals who 
are either in charge of a store, or in charge of a, an organization, or in charge of a farm. We have to learn and we have to deploy a different way of thinking about food. If you're a consumer, don't think of yourself anymore as a consumer. Think of yourself as a steward of your body, your mind, and your spirit, and your dollars. And don't buy food that extracts those very fundamental components of your personal wealth. So be a consumer no more. Be a steward of your mind, your body, and spirit. If you lend money and you want to change the world, be a lender and be an extractor of wealth no more. Become a partner with us who are trying to solve this and build infrastructure and become a partner and invest. And yes, you know, put your wealth to work. You don't have to give it away or lose it, but just don't be an extractor of wealth anymore. And if you are a professional and you are trying to see other communities, you're in the system of systems, in the business of systems change, as some say, you know, decolonize your own environment so that you bring indigenous perspectives into the way you see poverty, you analyze it, and into the way you design approaches and responses so that you become not a white savior anymore, not a savior, but you become a partner in actual solutions that can have permanent impact. Those are very basic things at many different layers that we can be doing, but we have to start by decolonizing the way we see our role and the way we see the immediate things we need to be doing. Everybody matters. Everybody eats. That's why everybody matters. And where your food comes from and what it does to your body, your mind and your spirit is a personal thing. And we have to engage with that. Green Dreamer for our mindful musical intermission. This is The Fruitful Darkness by Trevor Hall. When I look back on those years gone by All those mountains standing in my mind I could have folded, could have What's an uplifting social media account or publication you follow or a book that's been really profound for you? Uh, Tree crops. What do you tell yourself to stay positive and inspired? Everything is possible when we put our mind to it. What's one thing you're working on right now for your health? Meditation and, well, meditation and exercise, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) What are you working on right now to elevate your regenerative impact for our planet? So anything you guys are working on at the nonprofit or personally? We are scaling up the Southeastern Minnesota producer pool, regenerative poultry producer pool. And what makes you most hopeful for our planet and world at the moment? That youth are getting engaged, they're waking up, and they are seeking intellectual wealth. 
So, Green Dreamer, if you want to learn more and stay updated on the Hinaldo's work at Regenerative Agriculture Alliance, you can head to www.regenagalliance.org. And you can also follow them on Facebook and Twitter at Regen Ag Alliance. As always, you'll be able to find these links and some highlights from this conversation at greendreamer.com. Rejinado, we appreciate your time sharing your story and insights with us and for all this regenerative work that you're doing. What final words of wisdom do you have for us as Green Dreamers? Remember that all the knowledge in the world with no wisdom is worth nothing. In fact, it is the way we are destroying the world and a little bit of knowledge with a lot of wisdom can save the planet.